the front. Uh, right 4, so you can just uh, turn there. Um, then you're going to be like, is he going to give that long introduction he does every time? Yes, he is. So that's where we're going to start. By my spirit. Okay, so uh, Zechariah receives this, uh, these visions and this prophecy, and he writes it down at, uh, between 5.20 and 5.15 before Jesus comes. You might, but where are we in the story? Good, you asked. Uh, we are in the story of redemption where God has chosen his people. First, he makes two people. He makes Adam, he makes Eve. They sin, they fall. He promises a redeemer will come. Then God picks one man called Abram, who becomes Abraham, out of Ur of the Chaldees. And he says, I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations. From there, we have uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We get the 12 tribes. We get Israel. So God's working through Israel. He's going to say, he's, he's going to say you're going to be a great nation. As many people as the stars. And then they spend 400 years in the slavery in Egypt before, before God takes out his people in the first exodus. God has some uh, strong, good conversations with Moses and his people. He says, I'm going to bring you out to this amazing land. But if you will not worship me, and if you will do the same things the people that was in the land before me was, I'm going to spit you out of the land. And you will be taken into exile. Now God's people has been known to be <laughs> rebellious, stiff-necked, and unrepentant. Unfortunately, that happens again. Not many generations, even the first king doesn't obey. And then the third king the prophecy of the splitting of the nation into Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And then it's kind of downhill from there. Some good kings in the south, none, no good kings in the north kingdom. And then it's about time. or it, God is so patient and kind. He sends his prophets to call his people back. They refuse and refuse. A few people do it, but it's too far gone. God sends his people into exile of four times. God promises through his prophets in this period that he will bring back his people. And so the exile from um, Isaiah and others, there's a call and there's going to be a restoration. They're going to come back to the land from Babylon and back. They're going to take this journey all these marvelous maps. Um, so that's where we are in story. God has exiled his people. Now he's calling them back to the land. Uh, but the land is destroyed. There's no good infrastructure there. And the land is not just empty while the Israels are gone. Now new people live there. And they're not necessarily just going to give up the land. <laughs> so they start to build the temple. But then the people of Siberia and other people say, we want to build. It's like, you have nothing to do with us. We don't trust you guys. And then they stop the building because they threaten them. 
And so this is where we're at in story. So all the way to the, your right. So we have Haggai, Zechariah in this period of time. And it's in the books, historical books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and also Esther. And in Esther, you can see that the, 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 um, the, the God's people are not just moving back. They had settled in, in the exile and they weren't moving back necessarily. Because some of them have never been there. They didn't know what the land was like. And or they had possessions in the other land that they had to give up to move back. Um, so that was what we had in the beginning. We had a call, come back. Don't be a daughter of Babylon. Come back and live. So that's where we are in the story. This is the timeline that we talked about. Uh, start to build the temple. We're going to have a reference to that today. And then they will complete the temple after have giving up and then after Zechariah Haggai prophesies hey this is the word of the Lord you should build the temple stop oppressing one another as well and uh, yeah so uh, short recap this is uh, under much pressure from no <laughs> this is a short outline uh, we're in the what people call the night visions uh, and so we've, we've gone through um, uh in spite of all the difficulties, there's going to be a new age. God's angry with the nation. He'll judge them. Uh, Jerusalem is being measured and it's going to be rebuilt. Uh, last time that we had the, um, the high priest being renewed. And this week we're going to hear about how God accomplishes his goals through his spirit. With all those introduction and remarks, let us put on our glasses if you need them and read Zechariah 4. Oh, just a note, when you study yourself at home, uh, one clever man on Bible study says, especially when it's, uh, um, when it's stuff like this or it is um, some of my least favorite things is like a lot about how to build stuff, uh, then it's good to have a piece of paper with you and then try to, try to draw, draw what happens. Uh, because it can help you uh, um, by, first of all, your hand doing something, but also how can I visualize uh, what's going on here? Uh, so instead of just Googling this chapter and you will see how everybody else has drawn it, uh, then, uh, as I say in the Bible study, you can't read the commentaries. You have to work on it yourself. Try to even draw it yourself, even though, like me, you might not be the best person as drawing then just draw some stick figures and stuff. But I think it's, it helps us with understanding the text better. So, um, All right, let us read. Now the angel who talked with me came again and woke me, like a man who is awakened out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with bowls on top of it, and with seven lamps on it, with seven lips on it, each of it of the lamps that are on top of it. There are two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and one on it left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel of the lord who talked with me 
answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. This, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. And then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever, have, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall say, See the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, What are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the oil is poured out? And he said to me, and Myas is laughing, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. <laughs> so I've said, I've said the whole time it's great to have the interpret and, and uh, like the angel to explain things like somebody had said at the Bible study, but it doesn't really explain the things we want to know, does it? No, that's true. We don't always get <laughs> exactly what we want. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's go through this. It's uh, strong encouragements uh, to the people. Um, and then an angel keep asking, hey, don't you understand? Uh, I have to say, I felt it, I felt it was frustrating. <laughs> Uh, but apparently now I, I, I let's just take that immediately. The, 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 the at least this is what this person saying. In the two phrases, each ignored by the question, "Do you not know what these are?" This question is a rhetorical technique intended to heighten the reader's expectations by prolonging the answer. So I would be like, "Just tell me what it is." Apparently, this is to draw people closer. So it's a rhetorical thing. At least that's what that person says. Um, so it's to like make us more inquisitive. What is it? What is it? All right. Okay, so what's going on? We'll just fly over it a little bit and say, okay, what's going on? So we have this, we have this uh, scene as we have in some of the other prophets that the prophets are... Not necessarily sleeping, sleeping, but they are woken up. Uh, and then uh, the angel asks him, what do you see? And then he starts describing what he's seeing. And this is where maybe it's good to draw, if we have imagination to draw this. 
So uh, I see a, he says, I see a gold lampstand. And there's a bowl on top of it. I did not get that. I got that totally wrong in my drawing. But there's a bowl on top of it, the seven lamps with seven lips uh, that have a, on each. And then there's two olive trees. Okay, that I can paint olive trees. And then uh, Zachariah obviously asks, <laughs> what is this? Um, and then he says the first time, uh, don't you understand? Uh, no, or else I wouldn't have asked you. Um, the the vision or the, the angel then explains uh, that this is the word of God to Zerubbabel. Oh, what? So okay, so th- so this is God's word to Zerubbabel. Uh, in what was that? Okay, so you'll be like, well, who is Zerubbabel? And that's a good question. Um, he is at this point uh, the one of the people who went back from exile. He is uh, the governor or the region leader. Uh, and I've written here, it's a long and complicated story about how he is. If you want to know the story, we can talk about it. It's just, I'm not going to spend 15 minutes explaining who this guy is unless you really want to know because it's kind of a slightly complicated how he gets it. Um, but he gets this very encouraging, very challenging um, in our lives as well word from God that he's supposed to trust that God's going to complete what God has said he would not by power or might but by his spirit. And most of the exiles would probably have chosen that God should use his power to kick everybody else out and also his might to just clear out all these people that was living where they used to live. But it's a very interesting thing to see how God reveals who he is both to Moses and other people when they ask to know what do you look like you have the thunderstorm you have the earthquake and as God passes by and he can only see his glory it's all calm so when God shows himself it's not necessarily what we would think the all-powerful of all things would do. Even as we've been talking about so far, how is our hearts and minds changed? Is it by somebody manipulating us to say a prayer? Or saying we should get baptized? or Is it by threatening people? <laughs> you have to become a Christian. Or I will kill you. That we some people did that in the old days. It, it doesn't seem to work because it doesn't really create a love for Jesus. And and so God's saying, No, not that way. But my spirit is the one that's gonna complete this. Then he's gonna say, My spirit is so great 
And Jesus also references this to the disciples. You're going to have this huge mountain in front of you. And it's going to become like nothing. And then people will be shining grace and grace uh, as they complete the building of the temple. And then people will know that God has sent Zechariah to to tell people these things. It's not just something Zechariah just not eating bad food and then he says all these things. No, they'll know that these are the words of the Lord that the prophet Zechariah had prophesied to them. And they'll rejoice when they see Zerubbabel uh, walking with the measuring thing. Um, and God saying to them, don't worry. Jerusalem will prosper again. And I am in control of all things because of the seven eyes we talked about last time. God's omnipresence. I know what's going on. I see your trouble. I see your afflictions. And then what are the olive trees? He asks twice, and the, then the second time he asks a little bit twi- a little bit different. He asks first what the trees are, and then he asks what the two branches are of the olive trees. And then we have these golden pipes and stuff. And it, he didn't say that the first time. This is highly confusing. Some of it, um, and who's who, and where? What are they? Um, And the response is like, you don't know? No, I don't. That's why I'm asking you. But apparently that's for us to go <laughs> grow closer and be really be uh, uh, be interested in the answer. And, 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 we, and most people say, like, he doesn't really give us the answer, does he? He just says it's the, it's the, um, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So th- this is also slightly uh, uh, complicated, at least when you read a lot about it. Uh, the the traditional view is that this is um, the guy from last time, and then this guy. So it was uh, help me out last time. Who were we talking about? Joshua last time and Serubil. There's a few things that this that uh, this is the traditional view. Uh, But then you can read the whole thing, so it makes it a little more uh, not so easy. Um, so in some sense, it's God first redeeming the priesthood. Now he's redeeming the governorship and maybe the kingship. Is this the one who's going to be the king where David, David uh, the Davidic king comes from? Um, other people say, well, it doesn't actually fit because they're not really sons of fresh oil. They don't really get, um, uh, what do you call it, um, anointed. And then uh, there is another place in the Bible uh, where we are not named. They are not named either. And that is in the Revelation uh, where it says that the two witnesses will come. So I have a hypothesis and this might not be true at all. (laughs) But there's two people. uh, So don't you don't have to listen to this part. This is me. Okay. That's the Bible over here. I'm now speculating. (laughs) There's two people in the Bible that doesn't die. Who are they? It's, no, it's uh, Enoch and Elijah. Could it be those people? We don't know. I asked a really smart guy one time. He says, we don't know because we're not men- they're not mentioned. We're not, we're not told who they are. 
But if everybody has to die once, but it doesn't matter. Um, Elijah, he's taken up in the yeah. Um, uh, but we don't we, we don't know exactly who these people are. Um, so there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a. Uh, uh, Speculation. We cannot exactly know who they are, but they are there to encourage the people that the Lord has redeemed the priesthood, and now He's redeemed the kingship as well. Zerubbabel seemed to disappear, and so that's also not so good because if we need the king to come from his line, how do we get somebody uh, then uh, like that? All right. Then you would say. What has that to do with anything? That's a very good question. <laughs> okay, so, but, but, but what is the main point? The main point of this text is not by power or might, but my, my spirit, says the Lord. So, Zacharias' immediate task is to get the people who are oppressed and downtrodden and have stopped working on the temple, have lost hope, he, he's supposed to convey this message of who God is, that this God is in control. He will judge the, he will judge the, the nations. He will rebuild Jerusalem. He will restore the priesthood. He will restore the kingship. And he will do it by his spirit. He will do it. And so this is the this is I, I see it as this is the time where everyone grabs a shovel or whatever you do you use to build the temple and they jump up and they build and they just go on and build it. Because they've been now they they've been showing so many Visions that God will do this and that God will come and help them. And also that they shouldn't look for military power or political power to get this done, but they should actually be drawing nearer to God, returning like the first call was return to me and I will return to you. That they will believe Zachariah's words, that they are clear words from God that he's watching over them to keep them safe as they are obeying God's word. And then there's there's also some there's going to be some weeping and some tears even later on. There's going to be people people complain. Uh, we have this passage where they're going to complain um about the small things. It, when we look at in uh, Nehemiah or Ezra when they complete the temple there's a, there's rejoicing and grace and grace but there's also people weeping because they're old enough to remember what the other temple looked like and they are not satisfied with the new temple so he says don't be like that instead rejoice with shouts of grace and then again, you might be saying, yeah. yes, yes, I understand. I'm not building a temple. And you'll be like, or I'll be like, uh, yes, I know you're not physically building a temple. But you ask to be the temple. 
when Paul talks about uh, idol worship not and not and not uh, sinning with your body and attaching yourself to prostitutes and so on he says you are a temple of the Lord so we're not asked to build a physical temple but we're asked to be a temple if we are believers the promises Jesus gives in before he leaves is that he and his father will come and make a home in us that the presence of the Lord Almighty by his Holy Spirit will live in us and we are to be that temple. But what does that look like in our lives? And I had a, I don't know if I had some clear moments, but, but through some good discussions at home, we were like, it doesn't take new ideas. It doesn't take new technology. It doesn't take new research or programs. It doesn't take new. It doesn't take more money. It doesn't take more power. It doesn't take more influence. It doesn't take more podcasts. It doesn't take more books. Because you're not going to say, "If I just had those things, then I would live more for Jesus and make a great difference in people's lives." No. We don't need more new ideas. We don't need more great visions. We need God to do miracles in our and people's lives. Because it is not by my great ideas or my power or influence that people come to know Jesus. No, it's by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And this is a frustrating thing about your life and my life. I have to get up here every Sunday and say something. And if the Holy Spirit does not touch your heart, I can just stand up here and shout and scream as much as I want and nothing's going to happen. Therefore, I think we fail sometimes when we take, as church people, we kind of tend towards, I mean, if we just had that program or if we just had that thing, then we will just succeed. No, no, we would not. Because no matter whether it's church planting, parenting, working well at your job, doing all those things, if it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit, it will not change anything. When Jesus is just so like, oh, he says it and we don't necessarily like it when he says you can do nothing apart from me. And we can do all these things apart from Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, but it, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? And we're like, yeah, you're right. It actually doesn't. Because apart from Jesus, our fruit's not going to grow. It's not going to be there. It's just going to go away. We have been given, like this uh, 800 now Mission Impossible uh, movies, I think. But our mission is extremely impossible if God doesn't send his Holy Spirit. But he did. And so our cry 
as, as, as the cry of these, the people here is that, is that God would work in us every day that we will see and experience him through his word, through prayer, through service, through caring for one another and loving one another, that we will see Jesus Christ more and more by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way hearts are changed. That is the only way we change and become more like Jesus. That's the only way our children will get to know Jesus. That is the only way our children will grow. That's the only way our co-workers will get to know. It's the only way our family members that don't know Jesus will get to know. So our cry should be in prayer, God, help us by your Holy Spirit that these people will come to see. Help me to see so that I don't live in my own strength and do all these things that's not really going to matter. So no, you don't need a new plan for what's best for you or children. You don't need a new job or whatever you think. We need to cry out to God more. Same thing with the marriage, all the other things. You don't need just a better marriage. You need to be changed more to be like Jesus. And like I said, you can't force people to do this. You know, you have to do this. We can't force people more. We can't force people to have this happen. We can't, I mean, God forbid we will manipulate our children or other people to believe this without them actually having a relationship with Jesus. I try to trick people. If you, if you come to this event, now you now you have to get to know Jesus. Like, it, that that, and we're living honest lives through the power of the Holy Spirit that people can see that we can be lights, and that we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit's work that we won't do things that are weird like oh, we'll change our theology so Jesus is more sexual we will like not do any of those things but instead pray for the miracle like every one of us is the greatest miracle that is the children of wrath hearts that hated God has been changed to be children of God and you'll be like but I've been in church all my life yeah and you trusted in your religious seeds and that's just the same no, our hearts are changed to become believe because the Holy Spirit opened up our minds and hearts to see who he is. And that was done by the power of God's Spirit. So, yeah. So for everyone who can see Jesus have had their eyes open, not by that clever, smart idea, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God had mercy on us to open our eyes to see that he loved us first. And now we can love him.
Paul expands this thing about how we live, how we move. All the things we do is in the power of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say, how, how did you get there and why is it so important? Just as these people are in a very difficult situation. I don't know about you, but maybe you have wanted to give up. Like these people did give up. You have had days where you want to go back to sleep and not get up. You've looked at the world and the sin is everywhere. We are losing we see the brokenness. Life is hard and it hurts. We're full of shame sometimes, pain, guilt, our own failings. Might sometimes think God's not really there or he doesn't want to help me. And we want to like just give up, quit, and throw in the towel. That's what people did there. They gave up. They stopped building. They didn't want to come back to the land. They were oppressed. They were oppressing one another. They were supposed to be the lights of the world, but they weren't. Ever felt like that? Just feel like, ah, oh, man, <clears throat> I should just give up. It's too hard. I can't do it. Then you're in a good place. Because then there's actually room for God's spirit to move. Because if we are so overconfident with how we do things, there's probably not really room for God to move. If we think we figured everything out by our power or might, then how can the Holy Spirit move in us? So when you are at that place, you can say, you can ask, and you're willing to ask, God, I can't do this. God will respond. I know. That's why by it's that's why it's by my power, not your power. That's why by my spirit, not your not your power or might. Not your great ideas or your power. And when we look back, how did, us, how did our walk with Jesus start? Did it walk, did it, did, it, did it happen when we were triumphing over all things? Our own ideas were so great that we were overwhelmed with the power of God. Or was it when somebody simply shared and the power of God moved so we were able to see Jesus. Was it by the Spirit of the Lord that we were humbled to surrender everything to Jesus? Our mind, our heart, our love, all our pain, shame, and guilt. And the promise was that we would get one person, Jesus. We would get the power of God to come live in us by the Holy Spirit. As just I wrote here, I wonder how many times I and you work so hard 
try so hard, but we've forgotten to ask God what we should do. And all we had to do was ask. Then how great is that power? <laughs> how great is that spirit? Well, in this, in this, God's spirit is able to just move a mountain out of the way. Then, but Joe came here and said, we don't need that in Denmark because there's no mountains. But it's, it's a symbol, just like Jesus says to his disciple, you can tell this mountain to, to go into the sea. That's a symbol of what, a symbol of what if we just have a little faith in Jesus. There's nothing God can't do through us. It's not advantageous that we go around throwing, throwing mountains, but it is very advantageous that we can, by Jesus, share who he is by the power of the Holy Spirit so we see people get to know Jesus. We will actually change ourselves more and more to be like Jesus. So we need God's Spirit to change our hearts and to change the hearts of others to love Jesus and to grow in Christ. That our sanctification, our being more like Jesus we need him. We need it to be able to bear fruit. We need to be in Christ to bear fruits. We need the power of the Spirit to walk in the good works God has laid before us, before even the world began. The question to us is, do you have a routine like that? Do you have days throughout, or do you have times throughout the day when you stop and ask God, okay, it's been a little bit I don't, am I doing this in my own strength, Lord? Can you, it's just like, okay, I need you. I need you here. I need you to do this. I need you to, I need you or else I cannot parent. I need you or I cannot be a spouse. I need you or I cannot really do my work well. I need you to be able to remind this person about you. I need you that I can give an encouragement to someone. I need your power all the time so it's really not about us but it's about the power that works in and through us do you have something you do before you get out of bed or maybe you do in the shower or in the car in the in the meeting before the meeting you have something um, sometimes golfers would uh, have rituals where they take off a glove and get a new glove if they have hit a bad shot do you have things throughout the day where you remind yourself hey mm, I actually need God's strength. I need God's power. And you'd be like, I know all those things. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. But how many times do you forget? And you've lived hours without considering the power inside of you. But you tried it all on your own. So how, are de how dependent are we on God in us? And I was like, you would say, yes, of course, I need it for Bible reading. Yes, you do. But you also need it to live in the world. You, you, we don't live a life just on our own. 
course, we have so much grace. God's so good. God shows up so many times when we forget him. I say something encouraging to someone. They're so happy. And I'm like, I didn't even pray. But God did it anyway. It's not like it, it, he doesn't. He's so gracious. He also sometimes wakes us up and like, oh, I should, I should be relying on you. How do we live this out? How do we live out these words by God's Spirit? That's where the power comes. And then it's a great encouragement also as we talked about as a fellowship because all of us has this power. So it's, you shouldn't look for me to encourage you every day. You should look to, we should look to one another. We should look to like, how can I encourage people today? So we live this out and we share it with one another. Because we can be encouraged that this power is in all of us. So when I forget, you remember. That's why testimony time is so powerful. Because we see how God works through his spirit. Do we also extend this to other people? Do we encourage them to live their eyes to Jesus? Because he says, it's done. I think and hope maybe uh, many of you have had this experience and I try to say in the Bible study all the time, no, you can't read the notes. Because I want, I want you to have the experience that God is actually talking to you. And so you come to a passage you read 20 times. And all of a sudden, it comes alive and you understand it in a way you've never understood it before. And you see Jesus clear, you see God clear. That's a visible experience of the power of God in your life. That God keeps speaking to you and encouraging you. And you see Jesus in more glorious and great. And expands your experience of who God is. Also in, in daily prayer, in deep, and you and you will get ideas from God through the Holy Spirit. You'll be able to serve and help people, call, make a call, visit someone, give a gift. And you will see God work in and through you. Not your ideas. His power or His Spirit gives you ideas. It was the Lord's. And then give God, give God glory. Praise God when you are praised. Just, we were just eating with somebody um, Friday, and he had gotten this encouragement that every time somebody would give him a compliment, he would say, yes, we can praise the Lord for that. And what did it do? Well, it did for him that every time somebody get a compliment, he would praise God. It confuses everybody else a lot. But, but every time he got a compliment, he was just like, praise God. Because then it's not glory stealing. Because when we are praised for something that God's Spirit did in us, we can't be like, I am the greatest, I am great. No, you are, no, we're not, because it was God that did it. So what do we do? We praise God instead. What does that do? <laughs> it creates a love and a joy in us because we're not made to be praised. God is. And so it's just this amazing thing that we can experience that God uses us and we can give him glory for it because all we have is his. And we can put our hope and faith and trust in the God 
who has a spirit that can move mountains. He has all power to seek and save the lost. And, and he has shown himself in Jesus Christ, the power of God. We live in this, we live in this tension. As just, I know, I I'll skip that part. Repentance is reminding us about this. Repentance is us turning away from our own way and back to God. A self-sufficiency, or we can't do anything. Back to well, God can, and His power can. So it's it leads us to Jesus' work and His Holy Spirit that deepens our relationship with God. I think I said all these things. Let's keep going. There's just one I have a thing. And well, this is all about how hard it is to live here and all those things. I think we talked about that. There's one more thing. You remember the picture of God? That God comes not in the earthquake, not in the thormous storm. He comes in the quiet. When God wanted to show everyone who he really was, he came to earth as a helpless baby. Not by my, not my power. He came as a helpless baby. He grew up, lived the only life that was perfect. Everyone could see, and God showed us in Jesus who He is. God then lays down all his rights and chooses to die so that we might live. Choose to take away our unrighteousness to give us his righteousness. He rises from death, conquers Satan's sin and death by his power, by his spirit. So when we look at our circumstances and say it's impossible. And I think Zechariah and all of us should be, no, 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 lift your eyes. Lift your eyes and see. God is all-powerful. He has all might. But often he works quietly by his spirit to seek, save the lost and give us the power to turn the world upside down. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being the Lord of the universe creator of all things and the Lord of heaven's armies. You have all power. You have all might. 
And still you tell us that you will reign by your spirit and get things done by your spirit. Lord God, you know us, and this is like hopeless for us. If we, if we don't understand this and we don't get this part, God, like we can just be punching pillows all day and nothing will happen. Well, I ask that you would help us and remind us and help us see that all the power we need for this life and everything you have for us is in your spirit. So do I ask at this moment you would just encourage the people that need to be encouraged, the people who are having a difficult time right now, you will lift their eyes up to see you, Jesus. And the ones that are a little like, I can do this on myself. Like, <laughs> will you have them lift their eyes to you as well? Help us to see that this life is impossible if it's not for your work of the Spirit in us. And though we ask and cry out that you would do this every day in us, like I just ask for myself, do you forgive me for how often I try to do this on my own? Lord, help us. Help us to seek and draw near. Help us to know that you actually want to listen, that we are the ones not coming not you. Help us to know you are ready. Help us to know that the power is available in you. But we also thank you. We praise you of how this works. As people said in our fellowship, praise you of how people encourage one another, how they give life to one another, how they serve one another, how this actually is working well. We do ask that you give us more. We ask that you would help your power to flow even more through us and to other people. We pray for all the people we know that don't know you. Give us your spirit. Encourage us to love you and love them and share with you then. We ask that you get all the glory and all the power. And that every time you move, Lord, we will praise you for it because you are the one who makes it possible. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, this was a nice, nice quote. All right, let's stand up for the benediction from uh, Leviticus. Aaronetic blessing. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his, shine, his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift, you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Don't run away. Uh, Vivi has made food, so come and join us.